Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski from paulkuharski.com. Eager to talk about Terrell Williams as the Titans head coach for their preseason opener, about observations I've got about some of the Titans wide receivers, and to share with you a short conversation I had with long shot quarterback Anthony Kendall. Let's get right to work. I'm brought to you by Jasper's, a great restaurant and bar on West End. Terrell Williams, Mike Vrabel shared with us uh, earlier this week, is the head coach starting Friday through the, the preparations and the travel for the game against the Bears. And on Saturday, uh, for the entire game against the Bears, press conference afterwards, Vrabel will resume his duties with the press conference uh, with us back in Nashville on Sunday. It's a rather fascinating uh, development. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Tony Dews, who's now the tight end coach, who had previously been the, the running back coach for Mike Brabel, has been uh, at least twice the Titans representative in the Accelerator program, um, which is uh, one way the league has come up with to um, help minority coaching candidates get exposure to NFL owners um, that that uh, they otherwise wouldn't get. Um, and it's something that helped Rand Carthon with Amy Adams Strunk, who had met him initially at this program that goes on at, at owners meetings. Um, so that's one way for, uh, for a minority coaching candidate to, to get something. But one, one question that any potential first time head coach is going to face in interviews with ownership and management is, you know, how, how are you going to handle uh, real-time game situations, clock management, analytic decisions in the moment, uh, multiple voices in your headset, interactions with officials. And Terrell Williams, given this chance by Mike Vrabel, in, in an interview like that for head coach or defensive coordinator, um, with with these added responsibilities, we'll be able to say, uh, I did that all one time, and and here is how I handled those things in this one opportunity. Granted, a preseason game, not a regular season game, but here's what I learned, and here are the things that I can take away from those experiences, and that I know that I need to have um, more answers for. Um, that I need to investigate further and be more ready for the next time I'm in that situation. That's valuable, valuable stuff. Initially, I had some doubts about this, about Vrabel giving, giving this away, about an owner being willing to see her highest paid uh, you know, person on her staff, giving away his power, about it establishing even further the meaninglessness of, of the preseason for which fans are expected to pay still uh, a hefty price, even if it's a lesser price. Uh, but the more I've thought about it, the more intelligent uh, an idea it seems to be to me with this experience. The NFL has all of these committee meetings and big think sessions to come up with with real life ways to help candidates put themselves in the best possible position to be viable 
or to appear more viable to owners and decision makers. And Mike Vrabel thinks this up on his own at some point during the offseason. He has a good idea. He implements it. Boom. He doesn't take it to the league and, and run it through committees and all of that. He does it. And here he is with a little bit more on his rationale for coming up with this. Uh, one thing I can't you know, concern myself with is what, you know, other people think or say. I, my, my intent was to do what was best for T in this situation. It wasn't to send any sort of message. This wasn't anything... You know, I did what I thought was was best for him and, and for us at this particular time. That, that's what I wanted to do. And it's well deserved. It, it's earned. It's uh, yeah. and, and again, even like today, we had him go through just talk to the officials about you know the officials meeting that happens ninety minutes before the game. And you know, I didn't know what the hell to do the first time we met with the officials. They asked for the punt card. I'm like, where the hell's the punt card? I mean, something little as that. Just, um, you know, just making sure that we, we, we give application to, to things that we're trying to, to coach and to teach and develop each one of our uh, coaches and players here. People in the NFL are not shy about copying uh, good ideas. Um, and they shouldn't be shy about copying this idea. I think it'll be predominantly for minorities who need the exposure, but I could see non-minorities getting the exposure uh, as well, getting the opportunity. Um, really, you could do it with anyone. For Terrell Williams, uh, who's 49, I, I don't think he's jumping to a head coaching job from the defensive side of the ball where it's harder uh, to get head coaching opportunities. The next step for him would be as a defensive coordinator. And maybe that step would be in Nashville where Shane Bowen might wind up being a more attractive head coaching candidate around the league if he winds up coordinating uh, a top flight defense in Nashville as a guy who's been um, more visible um, and had a better title and bigger responsibilities for a couple of years now. And, and Terrell Williams could step up into the void created by Shane Bowen moving on. Uh, have a chance at more experience like this perhaps and, and then be in line after some time as a defensive coordinator to be interviewed as uh, as a head coaching um, candidate. But um, it's hard to find much fault with, uh, with this idea. Um, I, I know some of you, some of you will, um, and that's, that's your prerogative, but Mike Rabel again, uh, to me, showing that he's smart and innovative. I hope his offense um, under the leadership of Tim Kelly shows itself to be um, equally innovative uh, this, this season. Some receiver observations for this team, which remains a key position. And DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Traylon Burks, clearly the one and two. Kyle Phillips is the three, not the third outside guy, but the first slot guy for sure. But I, I've, I've noticed him. You know, he's clearly the, the top guy in the slot. He's doing a good job getting open, and, and I think there's a 
definite comfort level between Ryan Tannehill and Kyle Phillips. Last year, though, he you remember he was making defensive backs look really foolish. He was new and he was a surprise. He had that stop and start and stutter that was just destroying people in short areas, um, flailing and stumbling out of their back pedals and tripping over their feet. I've not seen as much of that this year in camp so far, though he's still getting open. And though uh, I, I think he's a, a key player for this team and going to be a key player for this team, provided he stays healthy. Last year he had a shoulder uh, from the an injury in the opener where he was an effective player. And then right when he was ready to come back from the shoulder, he suffered a hamstring injury that he felt like he was close to coming back from in the later weeks of the season, but never made it back from. As I've thought about it, though, here's what I think is going on. It's not that he's lost any quickness as he's put on a couple of pounds and gotten stronger or anything like that. He's going against a higher caliber of defensive back, right? Um, right from the start this year, whereas last year he comes in, he's a dues-paying fifth-round rookie playing behind Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, a third-year Nick Westbrook-Akina, a second-year Des Fitzpatrick, who was a fourth-rounder, and a second-year Racy McMath. So he was sixth, even if he was uh, a, a high-slot option. Um, and uh, there was a clip. I went and found it. I, I looked at it. I put it out July 29th last year. So it just celebrated its one-year anniversary. It was a practice in the bubble where he ran a short route that he broke off with, you know, just so crisply. Uh, sharp stop, grabbed the throw from Tannehill, and the defender flew past him and took a long time to recover. His name? Kenneth George. Well, He's not drawing the, the, the a comparable defensive back to Kenneth George. Now he's getting Roger McCreary a lot of the time when they're playing ones versus ones. He's drawing Elijah Molden, who, who you know works in the slot as well as at safety now. Um, it's a tougher go for Kyle Phillips. Kenneth George is now a member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian Football League. Looking for a bad camp, the first guy I would point to is Nick Westbrook-Akine. He's dropped a lot of passes, and uh, he, he's not been particularly sharp. That doesn't mean he's not making the team. I think he's absolutely making the team. Chris Moore is a better version of Nick Westbrook-Akine, I think. But NWI still ranks, I, I believe, as the fourth outside receiver behind Hopkins, Burks, and Moore. And I think he's the second slot receiver behind Phillips. Maybe a bit redundant, but this team needs redundancy at key positions now, the kind of depth that it lacked last year when things really crumbled with the injuries. Um, he's a good piece of the team. His hands will come back. He's never been a phenomenal hands guy, and this camp is a, a bit reminiscent of his first camp, which was what now – He's going into his fourth year, um, and, and he didn't have great. He didn't have great hands in that first camp, but the Titans liked him a lot. 
but he needs to get back to being uh, more reliable and more dependable. Racy McMath's clock is running out to me. He's got four career catches. I don't know why people still hold out such hope for him. I know he's he's a good gunner. Doesn't tackle well, but he can get off the line with his, his speed and, and some technique. It was a play this week that I tweeted about where Malik Willis broke out to the right, saw him in front of him breaking to the right sideline, put a ball out there. He had a good deal of separation, and he only put out his left hand. His other hand never came to help him with the ball. It bounced hard off of his hand. Um, No softness to it whatsoever. He could have left his feet for a a hard stretch or dived to to try to collect it. It did not feel like a maximum effort thing. It was not the kind of play a guy on the roster fence needs to to put on film there. And I I thought it just kind of illustrated what Racy McMath is and isn't now. He's making his share of catches and stuff, but there's a chance to do something big, substantial, significant, and he couldn't or didn't or wouldn't do what was necessary. Reggie Robertson, uh, you know, I think has gotten a lot of notes. He, he's, he's got good speed, and he's showing more. It's ACL, you know, was back in 2020. You wouldn't have think it would have had a bearing on him in 2022, but I, I think it did. Maybe it was in his head. He looks better. The trouble is virtually all of what he's done has been on the third team. He's got a connection with Will Levis. Well, Will Levis isn't going to be the starting quarterback on this team, so his connection with Will Levis, I, I don't know that that means a lot in terms of him making making the roster. Um, maybe a little bit of this has been with Malik Willis. I don't think any of it's been with Ryan Tannehill. He needs to earn himself some chances higher um, to prove himself. I won't be surprised at all if he's got a productive game in Chicago and he's next in line in the Titans fan receiver love list for doing something in a preseason game that doesn't mean a lot except maybe getting him some, some more chances higher up. Vrabel's been complimentary of him, but also mentioned that the defense has simply failed to cover him uh, a couple times when he's gotten free downfield. Now, that's not his fault, but you'd rather make that catch with somebody in your vicinity than making it when uh, coverage has, has broken down. You do your job, but when the other guy's not doing his job, He's not helping you out because it's it's become too easy for you. I'm brought to you by Jasper's, as you see up here over my shoulder, a fine restaurant on uh, on West End Avenue, an affordable restaurant, great, uh, great food and drinks. Get the Cuban sandwich, get the bolognese. You can go there for lunch, uh, take take a business lunch, take a business dinner. Take a date for dinner. Take your your wife or your husband for dinner. Take your family for dinner. It's a very versatile, flexible place. Free parking, which is a big deal in this area. Uh, It's kind of right between downtown and midtown. Uh, Free game room where you can, you know, beat somebody up at Papa Shot or air hockey or skee-ball. Great 
cocktail menu, cold beer, the whole deal. I can't recommend it highly enough. And I appreciate their sponsorship of me. And I would hope uh, in due turn, you would make an extra stop there or check them out if you haven't had the pleasure already. An excellent, excellent stop. Speaking of excellent value, paultuhersky.com is on sale right now for training camp, 25% off. You get everything I write. You get Mike Herndon's weekly column, which is worth it just on its own. Uh, you get Blake Bettingfield's scouting previews and scouting reviews of all of the Titans games, which um, come from a, a guy who scouted for the Titans for 19 years and brings a scouting eye to things. You get private video chats with me during the week. And then uh, once I'm in the press box for regular season games, certainly from the press box uh, sometime after the game with the reaction um, from the locker room and what everybody has said, uh, 25% off comes down uh, for a, a yearly uh, rate, uh, very inexpensive and certainly an element you want to layer into the Titans coverage that you read, watch, and listen to. So come join us. I promise you it will be worth uh, worth the money. I also encourage you, uh, if you haven't been listening, Robbie Stanley uh, is a new father, and he is home tending to his daughter and his wife. Uh, and I've been filling in with Joe Rexroad on Robbie and Rexroad on 1025 The Game in Nashville. I'll be doing that for almost the rest of the week before Robbie returns to work. So Joe and I are having a big time. I'm really loving being back on the radio for three hours at a time, even if it includes a 445 wake-up call. Come check it out. And if you like it, uh, tell 1025 The Game and Chase McGabe. Uh, that that you're uh, enjoying it, uh, and that would be helpful to me. Two quicker notes on the Titans. Uh, they put out a video this week uh, to help get people excited about getting in line for PSLs for the new stadium. Gives you a better feel about how the sides that we've seen of the stadium kind of match up to the translucent uh, roof of the indoor stadium that should be ready in 2027 as the new home field of the Tennessee Titans. It would be great if they got an early sponsorship name on this thing so they, we didn't just call it New Titans Stadium, which feels a little stiff. Um, but you see how it fits into the cityscape and you get your initial feeling of kind of the concourses and some of the nicer areas inside the stadium. Um, it's pretty cool, and I'm sure it's going to be pretty pricey. But if you haven't seen that, check it out. I took some still shots of the cityscape with uh, with this indoor stadium um, layered in. Um, it's an interesting, interesting look. People have mixed reviews on it. I, I like it. I think it's weird that it's a square instead of a rectangle, and I've had trouble with that in some baseball parks in Arizona. And in Houston, where uh, it feels like it should be more rectangular and it's more square, even though a baseball diamond is technically, I guess, a square. So I wonder if it'll be an odd adjustment to feel like you're walking into a square to sit at a rectangle. At any rate, Malik Willis in a two-minute drill. Uh, earlier this week, 
they were working on two minute situations and uh, he was letting the play clock dwindle. And with about eight seconds left, Vrabel said, got to go Malik, got to go Malik. And Malik showed no urgency. He was still standing behind the line, talking to some people, waving his arm and he didn't get anywhere close to going on time. And I, I really was unimpressed with his lack of urgency. Does he not hear Vrabel? Does he not understand that when the coach is chiming in to that degree, that, that there's a call for some immediacy to his action. I asked Mike Vrabel about it. He's in the building. There's, there's a presence to him, kind of bopping around. And that, that's the biggest thing to me is you know, that you know he's there and not, not just. That's a wrong Mike Vrabel audio, and that's complimentary audio of, uh, of Malik having more of a presence about him, which Malik – Willis definitely does. But regarding the two-minute uh, drive thing, he kind of said, like, we had to um, we had to expose him to the two-minute drill, which made it almost sound like Malik Willis had not been exposed to two-minute drill. Well, a couple days earlier, Malik Willis had run a very effective two-minute drill in the bubble. Malik Willis was in two-minute situations uh, in games. L- last year, he was in two-minute situations in practice. He's in two-minute situations in in training camp last year. Maybe he was kind of saying in Tim Kelly's two-minute situations, but it seemed odd to me. What he did say is, like, if it happens again, then there is is a problem. So what we do is coach the mistake now and make sure it doesn't happen again. So I get that. But I I thought it was uh, an odd issue to creep in. And I think Will Levis – you know, while they've both been playing progressively better, I think Willis is playing more progressively better. And I think he's doing it situationally. I think he's handled two minute very well. And I think he's handled red zone very well. And the Titans put a premium on both of those things. And I think uh, Willis perhaps is separating himself with his work in those situations, two minute and red zone. And so I would continue to keep an eye on, um, on those things. Um, Anthony Kendall is wearing number 40. He is a defensive back out of Baldwin Wallace, an undrafted rookie free agent. He picked Malik Willis in the red zone, uh, throwing for Chig Conquo at one point, and he's gotten his hands on a few other passes along the way. And so he's kind of, because he's a heavy underdog, drawn my attention a little bit. Um, And when he agreed to spend a few minutes with me on here for this podcast, uh, I'm no rookie. I went to Sean Murphy Bunting, a veteran, and asked him about Kendall. He praised his game and his, his learning curve and the like. But I also asked Sean Murphy Bunting for a scouting report on Kendall not as a player, but as a podcast guest. I used the term pre-prediction when the word prediction would have sufficed just fine. So there's a pre-edit of this little clip of uh, SMB. Give me a pre-prediction on what kind of podcast guest you think he'll be. A I've podcast guest, he's going to be a little laid back. I don't know, you might get him a little loose. He's going to be a little laid back, quiet. Uh, he probably won't have too much to say, but I bet I bet his braids will be fresh. Cal- counsel me I'll on how that. to how to get him to loosen up. How to get him to loosen up? Probably crack some jokes with him at the beginning. 
see if he can loosen up, get a smile on his face. He's a smiler. So if you get one smile, you'll be good. Might be good. audio only. I might, might not be get audio to see only. Ooh. Tough assignment? Might be a little tough assignment, man. Uh, you have to just see how you how you roll the dice there. What what's a good joke topic at this at the start? Anything. You gotta just give a good joke. You gotta be a good joke teller. Okay. The delivery is everything. Alright, so that's on me. I it's on that. you. You gotta that. deliver it. You gotta deliver it properly and then uh get a crack out of them and you'll be alright. Okay. Thanks. Yes, sir. Okay, so it's not audio only. I did uh take a tripod out there, set up my camera, and I played for Anthony Kendall that clip that you just saw. So before we begin this conversation, I showed him Sean Murphy Bunting coaching me on how to have Anthony Kendall as a podcast guest. And then we went into this. And just like that, with advice from Sean Murphy Bunting, Anthony Kendall joins me. What did you think of Sean's advice? Oh, man. <laughs> Sean has some good advice. Uh, you know, told me I was going to have some fresh braids. He wasn't wrong about that. But, uh, yes, Sean's a funny guy. All right, I, I came with a joke. He said I, I needed to loosen you up with a joke. So how do you get 100 math teachers in a room that only fits 99? Oh. You carry the one. <laughs> Big math guy. I got a I got a chuckle, Baldwin Wallace. I know you had a great grade point average in high school between uh, what and Clote you finished at, but you did your first three years at River Ridge High School and you had a four point one overall. Yeah, vice you, versa. A uh, vice yeah, versa. Yeah. I flipped the schools. Where did you get the point one? Point one had to have been a AP class. You know those classes carry a little bit more credits. So that's a hell of a great point average. Uh, and that. you played basketball, weightlifted, and ran track. What kind of weightlifter were you? Uh, so we did bench press, and then we did power cleans. So you were, those are the two events. You were a late bloomer. How, how late? I'd say I got I was 5'6 until my senior year of high school, and then I ended up getting a growth spurt that senior year. That got you to 5'10", five, 5'11". You I'm know, standing on, on a little a bit of a down. Straight. I'm on a little bit of a down slope, right? So you, you, your issue was getting into a pro day, right? Correct. From Baldwin Wallace Division Three, you needed to be seen. So how did you get yourself? You wound up going to a couple, right? Yes, sir. Three. Yeah, I was able to get into three. Um, I'd say that the season accolades kind of helped me out a lot, as well as my coach, Coach Over. Shout out to him. He was able to help me out get into a couple of the pro days. Which ones did you go to? I went to Ashland University's Pro Day. Um, I went Youngstown. to Youngstown States, and then the, the Bucks had a workout. Uh, Toledo's. Toledo. And I went to a Bucks the workout. Bucks workout. Yes, sir. So that worked out pretty well. You caught people's attention. Four, 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 run. Thirty-nine and a half vert. Twenty bench, which is a lot for a little guy, right? You pride yourself <laughs> on on that. Yes, sir. And an eleven-foot broad jump that gets people's attention. But still, you came out of the draft and you thought you were going to have to go to some tryouts. Where were you going? To the Browns? Yeah, the Browns had invited me as well as the New York Jets. And so what was the timetable on the Titans calling to sign you? Um, honestly, about two days later, two days after those uh, invitations. So Tuesday or Wednesday after the draft? Uh, I'd say around Wednesday. It was, it was pretty far back. I, so that's a long wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kind of long shot do you consider yourself? As far as like... As far as sticking around here after cut day? Um, you know, I'm just really trying to to make the most of the opportunity. 
trying to earn a spot or a role on this team, whether that be special teams. Um, but, you know, really I'm just taking it day by day, trying to earn a, a spot on this so team. you had an interception in the bubble on Friday. Yes, sir. Defending Chig. So that's a big rep right there that you're on the field defending Chig because you've been running lower in the rotation, which is what an undrafted rookie DB is going to do here. Yes, sir. Tell me about th that play and how you read it, red zone rep. Yeah, so uh, we were doing 2v2. Um, I was working with uh, Mike, and uh, we just switched off. Uh, quarterback kind of underthrew the ball a little bit, and it just went up and caught the ball. And then you had a breakup here yesterday that I saw on the sideline. How many other balls have you got in your hands on? Uh, a couple, man. You know, you win some, you lose some. Just out here trying to compete, you know, uh, make the most of the opportunity that I have. How do you feel like you're doing? Um, I think I'm slowly progressing. I've got a lot to learn uh, coming from D3. You know, it's a big transition between the terminology, the speed of the game, and uh, just, you know, trying to take the coaching, learning from the older guys, and uh, just trying to take it day by day. Do you come in, like, worried about feeling like you might not fit in, and how quickly do you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I can, I can work with these guys? Yeah, I'd say OTAs was a great period of time to kind of get adjusted to the speed of the game and as well as learning the um, defensive scheme. And then now transitioning and kind of learning how the offense works so I'm able to play faster. Um, but, you know, like I said, just, just trying to take every day um, and then as well as studying the film um, when we're not on the field. You had a chance or chances uh, at the end of Baldwin-Wallace to go D1, which would have helped your profile obviously could have got you in position to to get a deal quicker maybe mm -hmm. get a turn into a seventh round draft pick I, I don't know what schools were after you at that stage honestly uh no schools were after me i didn't have to get into any type of transfer portal um after the uh junior season i talked to my coach hilbert and uh, you know he said he'd be happy to have me uh come back and so i wanted to go ahead and try to get a ring and uh, so I just stuck with it and finished where I started. And you just missed the ring, right? Oh, uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> fifth, so your high school, back to you, we'll finish up your high school career. You were fifth in the 300-meter hurdles in the Florida State High School Championships. Right. How much did you miss meddling by? Probably about 30 meters. Oh, it was yeah, a ways? Yeah, they, they, they got me. I ain't going to lie. I kind of was a little slow at the gate, didn't gate it too right, but I ended up uh, closing that gap towards the end. How much track helped your football? Oh, it helped me tremendously. Um, I, I wish I would have done it in college, honestly, um, but, you know, it helped me tremendously. I'd say I, I'm a pretty fast guy on the field, so, uh, yeah, it, it's helped me a lot. Number 40, Anthony Kendall's getting his hands on some balls. He's an interesting guy to watch for at the back of the DBs. I'm, I'm, I'm taking an interest because I've seen you make some plays. So I'm waiting for your move up the depth chart, and uh, I'm interested to see what happens. I appreciate you spending a couple minutes with me. I appreciate you for having me. Man. Good luck. Thank Thanks you. for laughing at my joke, whether it was funny <laughs> no or not. No doubt, no doubt. Thank you. Anthony Kendall. So there's somebody to look for, uh, number 40. He'll have his name on the back of the jersey, unlike at practice, against the Bears, I'd say third, fourth quarter. Um, maybe we'll see him have a chance to do something. And uh, if he does something, maybe we'll see him move up the depth chart. Probably a practice squad candidate coming from a school as small as that. I mean, heck, they spent a seventh round pick on uh, a receiver from UT Martin, nowhere near as small as Baldwin Wallace um, in Colton Dow. 
and and he's probably more of a practice squad option than an option for the roster. But uh, appreciate Anthony Kendall spending a little bit time with me. I appreciate you spending time with me. Uh, don't block the box. Be sure to lock your locks and sign up for paulkuharski.com. Take care.